Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening. Welcome to our Bible study for this evening for Delta Psi Epsilon, Christian Sorority Incorporated. I'm glad that you've taken this opportunity to come with us this um, evening in order to join in on the call. We are um, doing our Bible study for this today is Trusting in the Lord. And our focus thought for this lesson lesson is that a true understanding of who God is and what he does inspires complete trust. Um, Before we get started, were there any outspoken prayer requests at this time? All right, if not, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for this day. I ask that you watch over us, you protect us, that you keep us from safe from any hurt, harm, or danger, that you lead and you guide us in the way and what you would have for us to go. We just ask that you just undertake as we go forth and that we learn that we can truly trust in the Lord for all that he does and that he's going to do and that he has done for us in our lives. So our Bible study from today It's coming from Psalms 111, verses 1 through 7. And I'm coming from the King James Version for this particular lesson. And it says, In the Lord put I my trust. How say you to my soul? Flee as a bird in your mountain. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrows upon the strings that they may privy shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that Loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance does behold the upright. 
So our focus is for this particular lesson is trust in the Lord in the time of trouble. He is our fortress. In him will we trust. He leads us. He guides us. He protects us in all that we do and in all that we say. So let us get into this scripture lesson. Um, This lesson is about trusting in the Lord. Now, when you think about trust, that means that I am giving you my all. I am not holding anything back and that I know that you can lead and guide and that God will protect. Now, trust is not an easy thing for everybody. It takes us a moment to learn how to trust. What's an important subject when you say that you're trusting in the Lord? The word trust in the Old Testament conveys the idea of the word faith and belief. In the New Testament, it includes the ideas of taking refuge, leaning on, or staying upon. One dictionary also adds to these ideas the definition of firm belief, confidence in. Perhaps the seven most important words of this lesson are in the Lord, put on my trust. Excuse me, Psalms 11 and 1. This lesson will reveal where we should place our trust in the Lord. Moreover, we also will study the basis for the Lord's trustworthiness and what the Lord desires for us. Trusting God is paramount, the most important thing to salvation. For trusting God must precede salvation. A person faith in God accompanied by his faith response, which is obedience, is the avenue through which he may receive salvation. Moreover, faith is essential to pleasing God. And we find this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Human nature makes it difficult for a person to trust in something that he cannot see. That takes a whole lot of faith. Amen. To trust in something that we can't see, but we have to believe that is there. Often it is difficult for a person to trust God because one one cannot see him and sometimes cannot even feel his presence. One thing is clear, however, 
A person cannot rely on the flesh for the basis of his trust in God. If a person is hungry, he goes to the grocery store and buys him some food. If he is sick, he sees the doctor. He does not find it difficult to trust either, for they are quite visible to him, and what they're able to do for him seems very tangible. But what if a person is hungry and cannot afford to buy food, or he is sick and the doctor cannot help him? If he is to receive help from God, who alone can help him, he must have faith to trust the one whom he cannot see. Let's take a look at some reference to to trust. Let's look at Psalms 20, verse 7. And it reads, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember that the name, we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And then in Proverbs 21, Verse 31, it says, The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. So we have to continue to trust in the Lord that he will lead and guide us and protect us in our times of trouble. We have no excuse for not trusting in the God, in God. He takes care of us even when we don't know how to take care of ourselves. He provides for our family and takes care of them. But despite the person's best effort to prepare for their future, they have to learn to trust in the Lord. Trust is common to all people on some basic level. Every person, believer or unbeliever, trusts in the Lord. Some people trust in money or material things and securities. Other people may trust in drugs, sex, power, or people. But everyone places trust in something. The important consideration is not whether a person will have trust, Whether the question is, in what or in whom will we place our trust? So in what and whom will we place our trust? Who are we going to rely on to get us through what we need to get through? The psalmist David declared, and the Lord put I my trust. That's Psalm 11 and 1. As king, he had access to all that he could possibly need or want materially. He could have chosen to place his trust in material things, but he chose to trust the Lord. David must have known the enjoyable and intoxicating effect of riches and power, and he apparently realized that they could never substitute for the Lord's presence in a person's life. Though he was wealthy and boasted a strong army, without the Lord, David and his nation would fall. 
Placing trust in the Lord is much like anchoring a boat, drilling on a river. It is not wise to tie the boat to anything that is controlled by the current of the river. A log floating in the same stream near the boat does not provide suitable anchors. Proper anchorage requires tying to something fixed that will keep the current from causing the boat to drift, whether it's the tree or the riverbed. The Lord is the only perfect and suitable anchor for a person's soul. The Lord is the only permanent, immovable, and fixed entity in the universe. Everything else in the universe, especially our world, is influenced by other forces and conditions. But the Lord is unchanging and unmovable by any other form or object. We can trust the Lord. He is completely reliable. He says, I am the Lord. I change not. And that's Malachi 3 and 6. We can trust that he will never fail us or forsake us. Friends often change so much that we may not recognize them after years of separation. New automobiles lose most of their value the first four years of their youth. Houses deteriorate and require constant maintenance. But one song says, Jesus never fails. Amen. He never fails. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's the ever-present help in the time of trouble. Psalms 111. How shall ye say, my soul, flee as a bird to your mountains? Although we do not know the speaker of the ill-timed bad counsel, it is not difficult to discern its negative connotations. Flee to your mountain was not an encouragement to respond correctly to trouble. It was an invitation to mistrust the Lord. The counsel given to David was an invitation to him to run from his troubles. Clearly, it is something in our best, sometimes in our best interest to run from trouble. For example, we should run from fornication and lust. However, we can always and should always trust the Lord. Running from our troubles when it is the result of not trusting God does not solve them. Amen? When we trust the Lord completely, we will not fear steadfastly standing our ground instead and facing our troubles with his grace and help as long as it's appropriate to do so. The Apostle Paul challenged the Christians at Corinth to be steadfast, and he does this in 1 Corinthians eleven fifty-eight. He further admonished the Galatians Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith God has made us free. Galatians 5 and 1. To be steadfast is to refuse to succumb to the powers of opposition. 
Victory is inevitable when we trust the Lord and remain steadfast in our faith. Victory may not come when we expect it, but it will come ultimately. God always calls us to triumph in Christ. And we can see this in 2 Corinthians 2.14. The word to your mountain in Psalms 11 and 1 speaks of a place of refuge beyond the threat of danger. Though the counselor's advice was bad counsel to rely on in his own strength and not the Lord, still the need for a mountain of refuge is clear. We all need a place of safety and security to which we can go to find peace and solace in the time of trouble. David's mountain was the Lord. He recognized that no earthly mountain or physical shelter could compare to the mountain of the Lord's safekeeping. Amen. God wants to keep us safe. He wants to be our protector. He wants to um, guide us and lead us from this ever-present place that we find ourselves in in the time of trouble. We should ask ourselves, what is my mountain? What is our mountain? For me, (laughs) this mountain right now is working on this degree. But what is your mountain? To what do I run when threatened with danger? What high place can afford me the protection that I need? David referred to the rock that is higher than I in Psalm 61, verse 2. We have a mountain of security, and it is the Lord himself. Bad counsel is terrible. From godly psychologists to atheist professors, the sewer of liberty continues to spew out the garbage of humanism. Our secular culture, the world, often pervades faculty and unbiblical alternatives to the unweary and unsuspected of our society. Christians have to reject those things that are unbiblical because they're out there. It's out there every single day. When we, everywhere we turn, everywhere we look, we see it that it is giving us ungodly counsel. So we got to believe and trust in the Lord that he's going to take care of us. We put our trust in God for we know that he has the authority and power to care for us. Further, he never sleeps or slumbers or abandons his place of watchful care of his people. He's always watching out for us, taking care of us, making sure that we are safe. God is never absent from his throne. His power and authority are always available to defend the righteous. 
He is a very present help in trouble. Psalms 90, I'm sorry, that's Psalms 46 and 1. If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 31. Our king has all power in heaven and in earth. David said, in my distress, I call upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even unto his ears. And that's Psalms 18 and 6. In times of difficulty, it is encouraging to know not only that God is in his holy temple, but also that we can call on him and he will hear us as Miraculous and astounding as it is, God is able to hear all the prayers directed to him at every given moment. Man, can you imagine at any given moment as I'm praying, God can hear us. He knows what we're saying, and he understands the prayers that we have for one another. God knows our every thought. He knows what we're doing. He knows how we are. He knows that there is nobody like him whatsoever. The power and authority of a sovereignty is always centralized in a seat of government. The parliament, Congress, politicians, or other ruling body is usually found in the capital. The throne of God is not like other thrones established in human kingdoms. The throne of men are located in human cities on earth, but God's throne is in heaven. The throne of men are vulnerable to insurrection, but the place of God's authority and power is well out of the range of the mauling armies of exposing kingdoms. Even Satan, who is the prince and power of the air, is impotent to penetrate the throne of God. The Lord is the God of the world. He is not a lesser deity in the whole picture of the quote-unquote gods that we have in the Greek We do not have to appeal to one of the hosts, hoping that we can get to him. Our God is the only true one. He alone is on the throne. He is, is there a God besides me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. And that's Isaiah 44 and 8. God has all power. God says all power is given unto me in heaven and in the earth. That's in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. Power belongs unto God. That's Psalm sixty-two and eleven. Jesus Christ is Almighty God, and He has all the power in the universe. In Revelation four and one, John was invited to visit heaven in a vision. He recorded, and one sat on the throne. 
The one seat on the throne in heaven is Jesus Christ, who has all power. We put our trust in Jesus Christ first. He is the only God. He is the one who takes care of our needs. He is the one on the throne in heaven, and he is the one who responds to our cry for help. It says in his word, Psalms 11 and 4, his eyes behold the children of men. And then Proverbs 15 and 3 says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And then Psalms 34 and 15 says, the eyes of the Lord were upon the righteous. The Lord's ability to see everything in the world simultaneously certainly qualifies him to care for us. Universal surveillance is his specialty as the omnipresent God. We are never out of his sight. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, the Lord called for them in the cool of the day, saying, Adam, where art thou? They had hidden themselves, but God knew exactly where they were. Look, he did not ask where they were because he did not know their location. He asked where they were to cause them to consider the position in which sin had placed them. He could have said, do you know where you are? Despite man's best effort, creative inventions, and technological adventures, his ability to observe from distant locations cannot compare to God's watchful eye. There is nothing in the universe that escapes his careful attention. His eyes behold. He does not need night vision goggles, for neither night nor fog nor solid mass can keep him from observing all things. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Psalms 139.19 What we need to do is understand that the Lord loves us. In general terms, the Lord loves the whole world. Because if we do that scripture that everybody knows by heart, John 3.16, for the love, the Lord, the God, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that for whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But the broad brush of such a general statement gives us little understanding of what God love is. In specific terms, we could identify numerous things in the scripture that tells the love of God. But his righteous people are at the top of the list. God is righteous, the epitome, embodiment, and source of righteousness. And it's logical that he would have a special love and appreciation for the righteous. Moreover, the love God has for us includes appreciation 
and respect. Perhaps it is more accurate to talk about God's appreciation and respect for the righteous, for he loves righteous and he hates sin. It is clear in Scripture that God chose the main character of the the Bible from among the righteous. He knew whom he could depend on to lead his people, and he still knows righteous leaders today. It behooves all of us to be righteous that we might be a part of his chosen people. If we think about it, if we're righteous, then that means that we need to be upright. That means we need to have moral integrity. That means we need to be honest, just, conscientious, honorable, and upstanding. Upright is translated from a Hebrew word meaning straight or even. Being upright, we are straight. Being straight, we are not crooked. Peter, the apostle, admonished those who heard him on the day of Pentecost, save yourself from this untoward generation, Acts 2, verse 40. Untoward in this verse is defined as warped or crooked. To be included among a listing of the righteous is a notable and honorable place of distinction at least in the view of a righteous and holy God. The list is long and includes people of renown, such as Moses, Noah, Abraham, Elijah, Job, Daniel, Peter, and Paul. Hebrew 11 offers a notable list of great people of faith and righteousness. The greatest benefit for being numbered with the righteous is the resurrection of the dead. According to John 5, verse 28 and 29, there will be a resurrection of the just and the unjust. In other words, there will be a resurrection of the righteous as well as the unrighteous. The unrighteous will be resurrected to judgment but the righteous will be resurrected to life everlasting. The Lord loves righteousness and will reward the upright in eternity. But those who are wicked and unrighteous will face his eternal judgment. Let us align ourselves with his word and put our trust only in him. Faith and trust in God are important to our salvation. Amen. It's important that we put our trust and our faith in him. One's faith in God is the catalyst that provides a means for him to respond to the grace of God and receive him in our lives. It is impossible to please God 
without faith. Let me say that again. It's impossible to please God without faith. Though human nature may make it difficult for us to trust a being that we cannot see with our eyes or touch with our hands, we must trust him if we are to receive his salvation. We got to trust. This is this this that's the most hardest thing for anybody to do. Even if we think about it in the natural. You know, you go and you sit in a chair and for some people, depending on what size they are, they trust in that that seat is going to hold them. And it's not going to get out under their weight. For others, they sit down and don't even think about it. They know it's a chair. They automatically just know that I can sit in it. It's going to hold me. It's going to be all right. So we need to trust in the Lord, especially when we're in those times of trouble. We can be certain that God's intentions for us are only good and not evil. It tells us, and this is one of my favorite scriptures, Jeremiah 29 and 11. And he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That means God already has the end of what it is that he has for us and that we're going to do, and he has it in the beginning. And he said, I already know the thoughts that I have. That just it just amazes me that God constantly is thinking about us, even when we forget to think about him. Even when we get up in the morning and sometimes we're rushing so hard, so rushing and running around that we forget to sit down and pray and give him some of our time in the morning. He's still thinking about us. He's still there for us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. He said, I I know. I got the thoughts that I have for you. He said, and that's also peace. And in this time right now, the things that's going on in this world, I'll be the first to tell you, we need some peace. But the question is not whether we will have trust, however. Everyone has trust in something. The real question is, in what will we place our trust? We need to place our trust in God and be confident that he can do what he said and exceedingly abundantly. Abundantly, do it all. In the early days of the Russian space exploration, the premier made a ridiculous statement after launching a satellite into orbit approximately 120 miles above the Earth. There is no God. If there were a God, we would have seen him. The command, the astronauts were barely above the level of God's feet 
since the earth is his footstool, and declare that there was no God. That would be much like an ant that lives at humans' feet, denying the existence of man because of its inability to see him. Just because you cannot physically see him with your eyes does not mean that God doesn't exist. We said in our words, and I started this um, lesson off with, the true understanding of who God is and what he does inspires complete trust. Amen. Were there any questions or comments at this time? If not, we thank you for joining us for our National Bible Study. We are every second Thursday of the month, and we pray that you enjoy our lesson for today. Our theme for the month of October is How Great Is Our God, and we're coming from Psalm 66, verses 1 through 16. And I pray that you will be able to join us for our Bible study for next month. God bless, and you all have a good evening. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.